The General Theory of Employment, Interest, and Money by John Maynard. Can it help us now as it did in the 1930s? Welcome back to another episode of Living Fire. Subscribe now so you never miss out on any of our latest uploads. Let's get into the video. John Maynard Keynes was an English economist whose ideas fundamentally changed the theory and practice of macroeconomics and the economic policies of governments. Originally trained in mathematics, he built on and greatly refined earlier work on the causes of business cycles. One of the most influential economists of the 20th century, he produced writings that are the basis for the school of thought known as Keynesian economics and its various offshoots. His ideas reformulated as new Keynesianism are fundamental to mainstream macroeconomics. During the Great Depression of the 1930s, Keynes spearheaded a revolution in economic thinking, challenging the ideas of neoclassical economics that held that free markets would, in the short to medium term, automatically provide full employment as long as workers were flexible in their wage demands. He argued that aggregate demand, total spending in the economy, determined the overall levels of economic activity and that inadequate aggregate demand could lead to prolonged periods of high unemployment. And since wages and labor costs are rigid downwards, the economy will not automatically rebound to full employment. Keynes advocated the use of fiscal and monetary policies to mitigate the adverse effects of economic recessions and depressions. He detailed these ideas in his magnum opus, The General Theory of Employment, Interest and Money, published in late 1936. By the late 1930s, leading Western economies had begun adopting Keynes' policy recommendations. Almost all capitalist governments had done so by the end of the two decades following Keynes' death in 1946. As a leader of the British delegation, Keynes participated in the design of the international economic institutions established after the end of World War II, but was overruled by the American delegation on several aspects. Keynes's influence started to wane in the 1970s, partly as a result of the stagflation that plagued the Anglo-American economies during that decade, and partly because of criticism of Keynesian policies by Milton Friedman and other monetarists, who disputed the ability of government to favorably regulate the business cycle with fiscal policy. However, the advent of the global financial crisis of 2007 to 2008 sparked a resurgence in Keynesian thought. Keynesian economics provided the theoretical underpinning for economic policies undertaken in response to the financial crisis of 2007 to 2008 by President Barack Obama of the United States, Prime Minister Gordon Brown of the United Kingdom, and other heads of governments. When Time Magazine included Keynes amongst its most important people of the century in 1999, it stated that his radical idea that governments should spend money they don't have may have saved capitalism. The Economist has described Keynes as Britain's most famous 20th century economist. In addition to being an economist, Keynes was also a civil servant, a director of the Bank of England, and a part of the Bloomsbury Group of Intellectuals. The General Theory of Employment, Interest, and Money is a book by English economist John Maynard Keynes, published in February 1936. It caused a profound shift in economic thought, giving macroeconomics a central place in economic theory and contributing much of its terminology, the Keynesian Revolution. It had equally powerful consequences 
and economic policy being interpreted as providing theoretical support for government spending in general and for budgetary deficits, monetary intervention, and counter-cyclical policies in particular. It is pervaded with an air of mistrust for the rationality of free market decision-making. Keynes denied that an economy would automatically adapt to provide full employment, even in equilibrium, and believed that the volatile and ungovernable psychology of markets would lead to periodic booms and crises. The general theory is a sustained attack on the classical economics orthodoxy of its time. It introduced the concepts of the consumption function, the principle of effective demand and liquidity preference, and gave new prominence to the multiplier and the marginal efficiency of capital. Keynes's aims in the general theory. The central argument of the general theory is that the level of employment is determined not by the price of labor, as in classical economics, but by the level of aggregate demand. If the total demand for goods at full employment is less than the total output, then the economy has to contract until equality is achieved. Keynes thus denied that full employment was the natural result of competitive markets in equilibrium. And in this, he challenged the conventional classical economic wisdom of his day. In a letter to his friend George Bernard Shaw on New Year's Day, 1935, he wrote, I believe myself to be writing a book on economic theory, which will largely revolutionize, not I suppose at once, but in the course of the next 10 years, the way the world thinks about its economic problems. I can't expect you or anyone else to believe this at the present stage, but for myself, I don't merely hope what I say. In my own mind, I'm quite sure. The first chapter of the general theory, only half a page long, has a similarly radical tone. I have called this book the general theory of employment, interest, and money, placing the emphasis on the prefix general. The object of such a title is to contrast the character of my arguments and conclusions with those of the classical theory of the subject upon which I was brought up and which dominates the economic thought, both practical and theoretical, of the governing and academic classes of this generation, as it has for a hundred years past. I shall argue that the postulates of the classical theory are applicable to a special case only, and not to the general case, the situation which it assumes being a limiting point of the possible positions of equilibrium. Moreover, the characteristics of the special case assumed by the classical theory happen not to be those of the economic society in which we actually live, with the result that its teaching is misleading and disastrous. If we attempt to apply it to the facts of experience, Book 1, Introduction. The first book of the general theory of employment, interest, and money is a repudiation of Say's law. The classical view for which Keynes made Say a mouthpiece held that the value of wages was equal to the value of the goods produced, and that the wages were inevitably put back into the economy, sustaining demand at the level of current production. Hence, starting from full employment, there cannot be a glut of industrial output leading to a loss of jobs. As Keynes put it on page 18, supply creates its own demand. Keynes sought to allow for the lack of downwards flexibility of wages by constructing an economic model in which the money supply and wage rates were externally determined, the latter in money terms, and in which the main variables were fixed by the equilibrium conditions of various markets in the presence of these facts. Many of the quantities of interest, such as income and consumption, are monetary. 
Keynes often expresses such quantities in wage units. Chapter 4. To be precise, a value in wage units is equal to its price in money terms divided by W, the wage, in money units, per man-hour of labor. Therefore, it is a unit expressed in hours of labor. And as a result of Keynes' choice of units, the assumption of sticky wages, though important to the argument, is largely invisible in the reasoning. If we want to know how a change in the wage rate would influence the economy, Keynes tells us on page 266 that the effect is the same as that of an opposite change in the money supply. The identity of saving and investment. The relationship between saving and investment and the factors influencing their demands play an important role in Keynes's model. Saving and investment are considered to be necessarily equal for reasons set out in Chapter 6, which looks at economic aggregates from the viewpoint of manufacturers. The discussion is intricate, considering matters such as the depreciation of machinery, but is summarized on page 63. Provided it is agreed that income is equal to the value of current output, that current investment is equal to the value of that part of current output, which is not consumed, and that saving is equal to the excess of income over consumption, the equality of saving and investment necessarily follows. This statement incorporates Keynes's definition of saving, which is the normal one. Outline of Keynes's theory. Keynes's economic theory is based on the interaction between demands for saving, investment, and liquidity, i.e. money. Saving and investment are necessarily equal, but different factors influence decisions concerning them. The desire to save, in Keynes's analysis, is mostly a function of income. The wealthier people are, the more wealth they will seek to put aside. The profitability of investment, on the other hand, is determined by the relation between the return available to capital and the interest rate. The economy needs to find its way to an equilibrium in which no more money is being saved than will be invested. And this can be accomplished by a contraction of income and a consequent reduction in the level of employment. In the classical scheme, it is the interest rate rather than income which adjusts to maintain equilibrium between saving and investment. But Keynes asserts that the rate of interest already performs another function in the economy, that of equating demand and supply of money, and that it cannot adjust to maintain two separate equilibria. So in his view, it is the monetary role which wins out. This is why Keynes's theory is a theory of money as much as one of employment. The monetary economy of interest and liquidity interacts with the real economy of production, investment, and consumption. And with that, we've reached the end of this video. All about the general theory of employment, interest, and money by John Maynard. And can it help now, as it did in the 1930s? If you enjoyed this episode and you found it helpful, don't forget to give us a thumbs up and to subscribe to our channel for more content just like this. Thanks for watching and we'll see you in the next one.